All right, let's talk about part three here. So, part three, you will need that series of mechanical advantage systems that we drew in part two. So if you threw that out, shame on you. You should listen to part two again and draw it back out. And if you haven't listened to part two, do that. And then that way you'll have the template from which we can go forward with. But the things I want to talk about in this particular section would be kind of understanding the force on the anchor, how friction affects the system, and probably talk about progress capture a little bit and maybe different places that we can put that progress capture and what different types of progress capture could be. So let's talk about force on the anchor to start with because this is a really interesting one. And now we're going to talk about this barring friction, so using ideal mechanical advantage, right? We're not going to think about theoretical mechanical advantage or actual mechanical advantage yet. We're just going to talk about just ideal mechanical advantage, which I think is just easier to think about. So I want you to start with this right now. Let's go back to the very first system we drew, that one-to-one -one system, that load's just hanging on the anchor, right? And then it's literally like we're going to grab the rope with our hands and start pulling up. Well, as soon as we start pulling, right, when we're not pulling – barring friction, the anchor takes the whole load. But as soon as we start pulling, we're inputting some of our own effort and we're actually holding some of that load now in our hands, right? So the anchor, in theory, may get less. It may not, which we'll see in a second. So on that one-to-one -one system, as I start pulling up on that load, the anchor gets no weight at all because I'm taking all of that load. Okay. Let's look at the one-to-one the -one that we did with a change of direction, though. Okay, so that's the second system we drew. So we have the rope going from the load, tied to the load, going up and redirecting through the anchor, and we're kind of pulling down. Well, now we're pulling down on that. And once again, if you think about the T method, right, we've, we're pulling down with a, a unit of one, right? So it has to be balanced on the other side with a unit of one. So at the anchor, we have one and one times two because of the pulley effect at that redirect. So if the load in the scenario is 100 pounds, right, well, we need to hold 100 pounds on the other side of the rope to keep it balanced. That means the anchor actually holds twice as much as the load. So it's actually getting um, 200 pounds at the anchor. Okay, interesting. So again, this is not barring, or this is barring friction. So what if we took that one-to-one -one with the change of direction, we flipped it upside down. So we kind of have more of like that two-to-one system that we built where we have the ropes tied to the anchor, goes down through the load, gets redirected through a carabiner, and then we're hauling on a strand coming off the load. Well, once again, if we think about the T method, we input you know, uh, a unit of one into the system, right? To be balanced, the other side of the rope on the other side of the pulley is also one. So at the pulley itself, at the load side, we have an input of two, right? So if the load's 100 pounds, right? And we know we're putting an input of two at the actual anchor. Well, how much do we actually have to input in terms of pounds to be able to hold that 100 pounds? 50 pounds, right? Because we, we can cut it in half, right? So if instead of one, we actually say 50 pounds, right? Well, 50 pounds has to be balanced on the other side of the rope. So 50 pounds and 50 pounds, because of the pulley effect, gets doubled at the load. 
that gives us our 100 pounds of force that allows us to hold that anchor. So at the anchor, though, that rope, that 50 pounds, travels all the way back up to the anchor. So as we're hauling, the anchor itself's only holding 50 pounds, half the load, because I'm holding the other 50 pounds as the hauler, right? Two to one, the anchor's holding half the load there. Interesting. Now, let's look at the, the two to one that we drew, but that has a change of direction at the anchor. So now we're actually pulling down away from the anchor. And we added another directional point. So once again, if we do the T method all the way through, let's once again just go back to one. Okay? They are input of one. So we have an input of one as we're pulling down. It goes up through a pulley at the anchor. And it's one on the other side, right, to be balanced. So at that redirection point at the anchor, there's two. That one goes down to the load, gets redirected around there. So it's one on the other side of the pulley to be balanced. So we have that force of two at the load. But remember, that one travels all the way back up to the anchor now. So at the anchor, we have the pulley with a force of two. And then the rope itself, which is still a force of one, we add those two together. So there's actually three halves, if you will, because it's still a two to one. I'm still, in theory, only holding half the load, right? Because of the mechanical advantage. So at the anchor, we only have three halves of what's happening. But because we have a change of direction at the anchor, we're adding more force to the anchor, which is actually greater than the actual load itself. If we go to that four to one, for example, we take that same system that we just talked about, but we go back down to load, add another pulley in. And even though there's still a pulley at the top of the at the anchor side, right, from the two to one to change of direction, we add another pulley down at the load. And now we're pulling up away from the load and we have that four to one. Well, same thing's happening at the anchor as the last system. We have uh, a force of three at the anchor because there's that one pulley which is two, and then the rope itself that terminates at the anchor is, is one, so that's three. But now we have the four to one, and we're actually pulling up. So I'm actually holding on to a certain weight. So if it's a four to one, I'm holding on to a quarter of the weight myself. So actually at the anchor itself, we are holding three quarters of the weight, right, of the load in this particular system because now we're not holding, we're not redirecting through the anchor again. So... The T method allows us to think about this and figure out this system. Now, when you use compound and simple systems, essentially, you know, as long as you're pulling off the load and not pulling off a redirection point off the anchor, in theory, without friction, you're going to have less than the load on the anchor as you're pulling up. So think about if you have a three to one, there's going to be two thirds of the weight at the anchor. If you have a five to one, you're going to have four fifths of the weight. Now, the bigger the mechanical advantage system is, the smaller each of the units are, right? So the closer you are going to get to the same amount of um, force at the anchor that you're going to have on the load. With complex systems, this is not necessarily true at all. Like you can have greater levels of force at the anchor, even though you're not redirecting through the anchor. Like for example, a Spanish Burton, which is a complex three to one, you actually have four thirds at the anchor, right? You have another third past the actual full load on the anchor when you're using that system. And that's something inherent with complex systems. Not every system in the complex system, but once again, if you count out some complex systems, you may actually have more force on the anchor than the actual load. Um, so it's kind of an interesting concept there when we think about this. So 
if we think about friction now and how it affects the load on the anchor, the friction at the edge, right? So wherever the rope is contacting the edge kind of does two things to us. It can help or it can harm us. So when we're not inputting any of our own effort into the system, so essentially the load is just hanging on the anchor and we're not hauling it all, right? In theory, all the load of the that's the weight the all the weight of the load is going directly to the anchor. But if we have an edge and there's friction there, that edge actually absorbs some of that force. So the actual anchor itself is not getting the full force of that that load that we're trying to haul, but that we're not hauling at the moment. So as soon as we start to haul, what happens is we have to break that friction. We have to overcome that extra friction in the system. So we might actually have a larger load being applied to the anchor, even though we haven't changed the system itself to have different redirect points, right, that we just talked about. In theory, right, say the system was a three to one. So in theory, the anchor only has two thirds of the weight on it. But because we have this friction that we have to overcome at the edge, we might actually put a greater amount, even though it's only two thirds of the load, the load's actually bigger because now we have friction to overcome at the edge, plus the actual weight of that load down there. So that's another important piece to think about is that we can have greater load on the anchor because of that friction. Now, depending on the angle of the rope going over that edge or how sharp that edge is or what the rock type is, um, is it ice, right? You know, all the, is it in a little notch? Like if you're hauling and the rope falls into a little notch, all these things factor into that. And we're not going to know the numbers, right? Because once again, we don't typically have tools out there to measure this stuff, but we are going to feel it in our in our in our hands and hauling. So I, oftentimes, when I teach mechanical advantage, will bring out a dynamometer so people can see what's happening at the anchor um, when we apply force to the system, right? And what I like to do is like whoever's going over the edge, I'll weigh them just to, so we kind of roughly know how much they weigh. And I'll hook the dynamometer up to the master point and I'll hook everything up to that. So I'll just have the person hang over the edge and we'll just see what the anchor's actually getting with them just being statically hanging there. And we'll, you'll always see that the anchor's actually getting less force than the actual person weighs. Now, I know I'm using units kind of you know, interchangeably here. It just makes life easier for me. Um, because once again, that friction at the edge is guarding the anchor. Now, when we start hauling, what we see is we see a spike in force greater than that person actually weighs because we have to overcome that friction. But the interesting thing is, is once we break the friction and the system's moving, and as long as we keep it nice and smooth and consistent as we haul, it actually spikes and then it drops back down below the actual person's weight once that system's moving. So the friction there, you overcome it, and even though there's still friction, once you've broken that friction initially, it drops back down to the anchor actually having less than the person weighs oftentimes or more closely to that person weighs, even though there was a spike. And the spike is interesting. It's not like this huge exponential spike. It's not like someone who weighs 150 pounds and we start pulling on them and all of a sudden the anchor gets 2,000 pounds of loading. It's pretty small. Like when we were dealing with, you know, 180 to 200 pound people hauling, and these are like over 90 degree edges um, on granite, like you're only seeing, you know, another 50, 60 pounds at most spike on that anchor. 
So as long as you're building your anchor within the the um, the general guidelines that we try to build anchors to, to a 5,000-pound breaking strength, you are more than uh, have more than enough strength to deal with any hauling, right? Where that becomes a little bit trickier is when we're dealing with snow and on glaciers. So once again, that's where pulleys can really be really helpful to reduce friction, which we'll talk about in a second, but also really prepping that edge and having like an ice axe out there. Because what happens on glaciers oftentimes is your rope gets jammed into the snow, um, and that gives you more friction there. Also, though, the other place where we can add more force, which really ties into this glacier reference, is like if the load's getting jammed somehow and it can't move. So think about that knot that you put in the rope So in, in, um, when you're traveling on glaciated terrain. Now that knot gets jammed into the lip of the, cr- of the crevasse and it, you can't move. So you're just putting more and more force on the system, but the system's not moving. Once again, because the system's not moving and kind of dissipating some of that force – the anchor starts getting more and more weight. So you do have to be really conscious of when you're hauling to make sure that the load is not getting actually stuck somewhere. Sometimes you just get a little extra friction in a certain point because of maybe there's an edge you didn't see and the rope's going over that, but it's not really like the person's stuck. But if the person's actually stuck somewhere, this is where you can start really putting more force onto the anchor because that load's no longer moving. You're just compressing things more and more and more. So... That's pretty interesting right there if you really do the math out. But the T method is really critical because you may have a system that's complex, for example, and you may go, oh, wow, this system is kind of cool and slick, but it puts more force on the anchor than the actual load. Maybe I don't want to use this system in this scenario because I'm dealing with inherently weak anchors like snow anchors. So interesting concept to think about there in terms of how friction affects that. The other place where friction affects the system is in the pulleys themselves or the carabiners in the progress capture, right? So once again, think about ideal mechanical advantage, no friction, theoretical mechanical advantage. You know, if you have a pulley and it's a 90% efficient pulley, that means you only lose 10% of your efficiency due to friction. It's a good pulley. So you can calculate that into these systems and actually figure out how what your actual theoretical mechanical advantage is. If, if all the points where the rope makes a 180-degree turn is a 90% efficient pulley, efficient pulley, then you can figure it out. Um, for example, carabiners are about 65% efficient, right? Grigories are about the same, right? So you lose a fair amount of your um, efficiency just based on those tools. So you can see that having a pulley, even a pulley that's not a really high efficient pulley, is going to be better than a carabiner and will make hauling significantly easier for sure. So that's the other place where um, friction in the system based on the pulleys and carabiners kind of affects things. So when we actually hauling, like if we think about those simple systems, one of the things I mentioned in the simple system, the very last paragraph or very last sentence I read in the definition was the tension in the rope remains the same throughout the pulley system is only true in theory, an ideal mechanical advantage. But because of the inherent frictions of, of different um, pulleys or carabiners, like that doesn't work out in reality. Like the ropes will be have different tension on them just because of that friction. So another thing we can think about, once again, by using the T method and thinking about this friction is that if you only have one pulley, and you have a system where there's multiple points where the rope gets redirected, where do you pull it? Where do you put that pulley? So in our simple and compound systems, you know, well, simple systems, in, in our simple systems, 
you'll see that if you only have one pulley, even though in theory you could put it anywhere and it'd make a difference, which is true, the best place to put it is the pulley closest to you as you're pulling because that's where the greatest force input's going to happen in, right? And then that's that efficiency that you gain there will kind of spread throughout the system better than if you put it further into the system, a little deeper into the system. So let's, for example, look at the three to one that we did. Okay. No, actually, let's look at the four to one, the four to one simple system that we did. So that was the system that we did where we have two pulleys down at the load and one pulley at the anchor and the rope actually terminates at the anchor, right? So there's three pulleys in that system. So if we do the T method, we can see that each pulley is getting a force of two on it, right? In this particular system. So in theory, we could put that pulley anywhere. But if we put the pulley on the load side, that's where the, the rope that we're hauling comes directly out of that um, pulley, the first one there, that's actually the best one place to put that pulley versus up at the anchor or versus at the very f um, other pulley on the other side of that system. So wherever you're pulling on a simple system, that first pulley after your hands is where you should put it. Now, let's go to that compound four to one, right? So that's the very last one we drew. And if we look at that, right, there's two pulleys in the system. One pulley has a force of two on it and one has a force of four on it. So in here, right, we don't necessarily want to put the pulley closest to where we're hauling with our hands are because that only has a force of two we want to put it down at the other pulley because that actually has a force of four on it so being able to do the t method allows us to understand where to put pulleys in the system granted pulling a pulley anywhere will help but sometimes it helps more to put it in one place or the other so just for example if you had multiple different pulleys with different efficiencies you'd put the pulleys with the, the greatest efficiency on the places where there's the most amount of force on that particular pulley, um, and then the rest can just kind of go where they are. So it makes a difference for sure. Um, so even when you're dealing with a lot of friction at the edge, it's amazing how much difference putting a pulley in the system will be. So that's another piece that we can think about when we're dealing with these mechanical advantage systems. Where do we put the pulley? Sometimes it doesn't matter depending on the system. Sometimes it really matters. So. What about progress capture, right? That ratchet piece. So when you build mechanical advantage systems, you really need to have progress capture. And there's many ways to deal with progress capture um, because essentially you want to be able to let go of the rope and then have the load not drop back down, right? So maybe you have to reset the system or maybe you just let go because a rock hits you in the head, right? You don't want to lose that, that load down there. So we want progress capture in there. Now, progress capture could be many things. Progress capture could be you're hauling a person up, but they're actually tied to another rope that they're being belayed on. And, and the progress capture is the actual the belay rope. So you would actually load the belay side, right, as the progress capture. That's one way of dealing with progress capture. Progress capture could be a very simple hitch, like a friction hitch, like a prusik. Any of the friction hitches, really. It could be something like a Garda hitch or a Stuflisser hitch that can act as progress capture. You could have a belay device, so like a plaquette in guide mode. That could work as progress capture or a Grigri, right? It's awesome progress capture right there. You could have, you know, they have pulleys with, with progress capture, like a micro traction. You know, that's another 
um, piece of uh, progress capture there that you could use. And there's there's certainly tools designed for search and rescue that create progress capture as well, like big mechanical tools um, that allow you to raise and lower with, which is kind of cool. Um, kind of like the Grigri or the Plaquette, you could raise and lower with that. You know, things that don't work as progress capture are munter hitches. One is, you know, you lose a lot of your mechanical advantage because of friction to the munter hitch. Um, and two, there's no progress capture. Yeah, you could say, well, there's the locking munter hitch. But once again, you're just adding more and more friction to the system. It's like, don't even waste your time unless the person's only 40 pounds and then you just pull them up one to one. So now some of the concepts that we think about with progress capture, especially when we're dealing with um, things like prussics is that, you know, we want to be careful not to have that load being a human being, for example, being t totally reliant on just that prussic as the whole progress capture system, right? If we have a belay tool in place, like a, like a plaquette and guide mode or a grigri, we can hang that person off that all day. No problem. We do it all the time. But if we're going to use progress capture and use a friction hitch, we need to back that up or do something different. You know, there's in search and rescue, you know, an older school technique, which is still relevant, is it actually used two prussics, two tandem prussics. Um, and usually, you know, they're eight millimeter cord and there's two prussics and, and both cord loops are different lengths. So one's longer and one's shorter. And then you have these both in tandem. So they both kind of engage the rope at the same time. And that's actually quite strong. But when we're dealing just with like your like accessory cord prussic that you use to back up your rappel, you know, it's just like five or six mil. It might be pretty beat up from a lot of use. Like you don't want to just hang that person just on that. So there are other ways we can deal with that, which I don't really want to get into now um, to back that system up. But if we think about it, we oftentimes build progress capture on the rope that's coming directly off the load, mostly because in guiding, you know, someone's climbing and then we're belaying them through a tool that has the ability to do progress capture. So when they sit back on the rope and they can't climb anymore and you need to haul them, your progress capture is engaged and then you haul up and then when you let go, all their, rope, all their weight goes to the progress capture. Now, you don't necessarily have to do that. You can move progress capture within the system. So that could be because you are dealing with a prusik and you want to put less load on it, right, versus the whole load on it. That could also be something like, say, for example, you're, you're in France, you're in the Mer de Glace, and there's a ton of people out and your client falls into the hole and you're just by yourself, but you're roped up. Shockingly, you're roped up. <laughs> Maybe it's a whiteout. Um, well, right there, you could... You could just do one-to-one, -one, have a whole bunch of people just pull them out. Or if you drop the loop down to them to do a two-to-one, right, and you just drop your micro-traction down to the client in the hole, you have the progress capture on them. Everybody pulls up on the two-to-one, no problem. You get progress capture, so if they let go or you get tired and you have to kind of give people a break, that person doesn't drop. Um, the only problem with that system is that you don't have any control over that progress capture, so you can't like physically unlock it if you need to. But super simple system, you know, especially you have other people in play. You don't need to make the system any more complex than it needs to be. Microtraction's got more than enough strength to just deal with that. You know, you could you could belay them too. There's once again, we could go down the rabbit hole of how to change that scenario or pimp out that scenario. But you know, we could put the micro uh the progress capture there. And having a microtraction is cool because now it's a it's a it's a twofer, right? You got a pulley 
but you also have progress capture. So now any place where there's multiple pulleys in the system, you could put that in and have progress capture. So if you're pulling, putting that pulley in, right, in a, deeper in the system, so it's not actually on the ropes that are directly being um, tied to the load, for example, or connecting to the load, that progress capture point will take less than the full load because the rest of the system or parts of the system are still in play when you actually stop hauling on the system itself um, that will kind of absorb some of that force and not have all that load on that on that uh, progress capture. So that's kind of an interesting concept. I don't think I'm going to go too much further down that rabbit hole, but once again, do your drawings, figure out your T-method, figure out what each point is getting in terms of load, and think about could I move my progress capture from one place to another and still, you know, to put less force in that progress capture, maybe still have it in reach so I can manipulate it if I need to, um, and still actually be easy to set up, which is kind of cool. So there's a lot of ways we can kind of play with that scenario, um, with moving the ratchet around. But once again, ratchets, our friction within the system with pulleys and then our friction at the edge are all kind of interesting and important topics to know. Um, but once again, they're all really based on that T method. So really practice that T method and kind of really internalize that so you can understand how these other things apply to it.